Today's scripture reading is from the book of Zechariah, the ninth chapter, the ninth to the 13th verse. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king come to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of the donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, Zion, against your sons, Greece, and make you the warrior's sword. This is the word of the Lord. This week begins Holy Week uh, in the Christian calendar. Uh, it's the time where Jesus' earthly ministry is uh, coming to a, uh, a, a, with a rapid series of events, it's coming to a climax, and his ministry on earth is drawing to a close. Um, a ministry that was centered in uh, Galilee, you know, kind of the north part of uh, Israel, um, is now coming into the urban messages that uh, he had spoken in metaphor and, and, and uh, simile and just different. It's like, okay, disciples at one point, it's like, just speak plainly to us, you know? It's just like all this, this inference and references is, is, is just confusing me. Uh, it's about ready. Everything that Jesus spoke about is just about getting ready to be lived out. So things like what Jesus said uh, when he said, tear down this temple and in three days I'll put it back together. Uh, I can just imagine him saying, stay tuned. I'm about ready to show you what that's all about. Uh, it's all coming together. I've shared with you before, I share again. Uh, it's in the 80s. Uh, the, the, this, I liked it at the time. There wasn't a whole lot going on in the 80s. You know, uh, the, the A-team. Uh, with Mr. T and George Papard and a few other folks that I don't really know who they are, um, but it was a it was a um, a weekly show where this ragtag group of ex commandos and army men uh, they would come together to accomplish a certain task. They that that was their their whole focus. It was almost like Mission Impossible. Uh, but their leader, George Prepard, uh, John Hannibal Smith, um, he would always say, and every week, because that's the way things rolled back then, it always ended successfully. Uh, he would light up a cigar, and he'd say, I just love it when a plan comes together. He was just, there was some satisfaction with the idea that, boy, this is, this is all a part of a, a purpose, and it's all coming together. Uh, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know, but I'll say it anyway. In order for a plan to come together, it, pre it presupposes at least one thing. What is that? That there's a plan. In order for a plan to come together, there's got to be a plan. I know, boy, that's real profound. Uh, the, we go through life, and I'm, I'll be honest, uh, a lot of folks that I speak with, a lot of folks that I see, you don't have a plan. Not you, I mean, talking about other yous. Uh, you don't have a plan. You don't have a plan. What are you going to do? I'm just going to go to work. No, no, but what are you going to do? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. You don't have a plan. 
You have no idea the arc or the trajectory of your life. There is nothing that, that you've considered or thought about. Um, as Paul said to the church at Corinth, this is what Paul said. Paul said this, not Mark. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. That's what Paul said. If all we're going to do is kind of ping-pong around life for about 70-plus years, some get a little more, some get a little less, uh, and just kind of muddle through, just kind of eke out a living, you go from one relationship to the next, one job to the next, one house to the next, one car to the next, and at the end, it's just like, well, that was it. Paul said, you're a pretty sorry lot. Paul said that. I didn't say that, I, so, don't, so, don't, so don't look at me. Uh, but the writer of Hebrews in the 10th chapter reminds us that from eternity past, an earthly body was planned for the sun to occupy at just the right time and at just the right condition. See, that's Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, so today on the Christian calendar is referred to as Palm Sunday, the time when Jesus entered into Jerusalem riding a donkey. And uh, again, there's always homework. You know there's homework. Uh, it's recorded in both the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, and the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John. That's your homework. Uh, it's recorded there. That's a pretty cool thing. Look, you know, as we just saw with our praise team, they're, they're waving palm branches. Uh, and uh, look at that guy. He's riding on a donkey, and everybody's yelling, Hosanna, son of David, save us, mighty man of God. That's interesting. It's kind of cute. Everybody loves a parade. So you kind of see that going on. Uh, what does that mean? For the Jews, especially those at the time, at that time and in that era, they believed that a plan was coming together. They believed that a plan was coming together. Unfortunately for them, it was a plan with a different result than they expected. Most of the people expected the plan to come together in a certain way for a certain outcome. And God, through his son Jesus, said, no, a plan is indeed coming together, but it ain't going to result in the way you think it's going to uh, result in. Um, so what's your point? I am so glad you asked, uh, especially now. Especially now, in this, this, this April of 2017, uh, we need to understand why we do the things we do. Otherwise, if we don't understand why we do the things we do, the point and the purpose of the things we do, after a while, we'll stop doing them. Because human nature will kick in, and I'll grow tired of doing them. Because I don't see a purpose in doing them. If I just gin up uh, 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 some kind of self-will that, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a certain period of time. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to do this. I, I feel like I want to do this. Then after a while, you'll feel like not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm as human as ever, anybody else. I get tired. I know you guys think it's like, well, Pastor Meeks, he just rolls out of bed on Sunday. He just, think, he just can't wait to break his neck to get to worship. That would be wrong. <laughs> that would be wrong. I'm just like you. Some Sundays are better than others. Some Sundays you just, you just can't wait for the doors to open. It's like, I'm ready to worship. And other Sundays it's like, Nate? Where's Nate? <laughs> I, I, can, I, can, I can mail this one in today. Uh, but if I have a plan, if I have a purpose, and I know that 
my life is not my own, that I, that I am here for a specific plan and a purpose, and my absence would, would subtract from your plan or purpose, then I'm obligated and I am compelled to come. It's got nothing to do with what I feel like doing. It has absolutely nothing to do with what I feel like doing. It's what, it's what the, the plan calls for. I dare you to make a cake, and I, I, I dare not, unless it's one of those box ones, you just add an egg and a little bit of milk, and I can handle that, sort of. Uh, but, but, but I love Sister Meek. She does stuff from scratch, and she'll, she'll make the cobblers. I'm telling you, this side of eternity, you need a taster cobbler? That's a different story. Uh, <laughs> but you subtract any ingredient out of whatever it is. Well, I plan to make a cobbler, but I won't add this to it. Then it's like, well, then you don't have a cobbler. You call it what you want. It's something. It's, it's edible. Uh, maybe. It won't taste the same. But, but, but you got to follow the plan. So in the ninth chapter, the Old Testament book of Zechariah, uh, we read, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, Zechariah, he's uh, he got major and minor prophets, you know, I just, I, whatever. Uh, he's called a minor prophet. It's the, the, just for you, for you Bible students, Zechariah is the longest book in terms of length of the minor prophets. Uh, but he was an important minor prophet. How important was he? Uh, he was a bridge of sorts from the time of the Jews being in captivity and exile to the repopulation of the land promised by God and the rebuilding of the temple that had been destroyed as a result of their disobedience. Um, the name Zechariah probably means God remembers, Yahweh remembers. But it was a common name in the Old Testament, uh, especially among priests and Levites, and there are at least 30 people that appear in the Old Testament with the name Zechariah. So when it comes to this week, what is referred to as Holy Week or Passion Week, the latter part of this book of Zechariah uh, is the most quoted of all the prophetic books in the gospel. If you were to add up all the references in the gospels about this, this week and going forward, all the things that transpired from Jesus' triumphal entry into uh, Jerusalem, Zechariah beats everybody. Zechariah? I, where, where is it? You know, I mean, it's towards the end of the Old Testament. I know, I know. You're just kind of trying to get there until you see a Z word, you know, and then you, 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 that's there. Well, I didn't realize it was, it was so important. You remember what I said, both in Matthew and John, you have references that were tied together, that were obviously uh, 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 tied together uh, that go back to Zechariah. So you have the first eight chapters of the book, uh, that really is resting in uh, what I call social, political, and religious conditions of the time. What does that mean? A, pre a, a, a prescriptive narrative on how to live life. Uh, we would say how to live life as a Christian, you know, but at that time, it's how to live life as Jews. Uh, the how and the why and the what to do. See, the people were looking for hope and direction, and central to the hope and direction was the rebuilding of the temple. The temple represented the relationship that they had with God. 
And so it was important that the temple be rebuilt so they can reestablish that relationship with God. See, God said in the Old Testament, he said, in this temple, there's going to be the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, there's going to be this, this Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant, there's going to be this thing that's called the mercy seat. And right above the mercy seat, that's where I'm going to meet you. The God that speaks things into existence. He says, right there above the mercy seat, my spirit is going to intermingle with your sacrifice and the blood that I, that I ask you to give uh, as, as, as an atonement, as, a, as, a, as an interest-only payment, if you will, uh, on the sin debt. That's where I'm going to meet them. So in the first eight chapters, you have these oracles and visions and a, and a coronation and a discussion on the point of fasting and morality. It's important stuff. It's good stuff. But starting with the ninth chapter, the book changes its, its focus. We don't have time now. It's not the time. But the ninth chapter pivots from the contemporary and takes on an eschatological or an end-of-time view of what's going on. It's one thing to be present. We're all present. God calls us to be present. It's a, we got jobs to go to. We have, we have children to feed and to protect. We have cars to keep tuned up. There, 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 is, there are certain ways, and that's what the whole point and purpose, if you look at a lot of the Levitical law, it's like, I'm doing this to help you to be in right relationship on the horizontal and to be on the right relationship in the vertical. I'm trying to give you a window to peep through as to how I want you to be in relationship with me. So I give you all these rules, not because I'm a killjoy. You know, I'm playing whack-a-mole with you. I'm waiting for you to step out of line so I get, boom, go bring me a turtle dove. Boom, go give me a lamb. No, I'm trying, I'm trying to point you to, to a bigger picture. I'm trying to point you to something more. So here in the ninth verse, here in the ninth verse, uh, the ninth chapter and, and the ninth verse, God through the prophet says to the people, rejoice. Shout and see. Love to have time to, to unpack all of this, but just let me just give you the Cliff Notes version. Zion, it's the area, it's the, the physical area around the temple. It was kind of a, when they say, when you, you would read Zion, uh, they're really talking about the area around the temple. Uh, when they say Jerusalem, that's usually the representative of the entire nation. Well, what's this daughter? Uh, it, it's a feminization uh, uh, attribute to the name. So it's not talking about daughter, daughter. But daughter, like uh, this is, uh, Jerusalem is feminine in its description. So it's not, I'm not talking about female versus male, but I'm talking about the feminization of the name. So what's the takeaway? What's the result? Wake up, everybody. There's going to come a day when real salvation, lasting salvation will come. But don't look at it. Don't look for it on, a, on, on some big horse. Uh, you know, charging big, some big white horse, you know, you can rearing back, you know, stomping the ground and, and just really creating all types of noise and attention. Uh, instead, it's going to be on a donkey. As a matter of fact, not just a donkey, it's going to be a baby donkey. It's not, it's not only going to be what you don't expect, it's really what you don't expect. It's just kind of like sometimes when we get gifts, it's like, well, I didn't expect that, but you really expect something good. You may not have expected that, but you expected something good, you know. But then when you come up with something, it's like, 
I didn't expect that. That means that was so beyond your thinking. It's like that didn't even cross my radar. And so then and now, religion and religious behavior is everywhere. Then and now, you have religion and religious behavior. Every, everybody, everybody's going, not everybody, there's a lot of folks going someplace on a Sunday morning for various reasons. Why do you do what you do? Man, they've got some kicking hamburgers over there. Did you try the fries over here? Fries are really, they're deep fried. They are so good. They're crisp. You should really try the fries over here. Boy, oh boy, man, the, the, the pies over at this place, though, they are good. They're really good. Religion everywhere. 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 And people having uh, obesity issues and blocked arteries. So I have a question. You got all this rejoicing and shouting and all this noise going on everywhere, all over the world. What are you rejoicing and shouting about? What do you, what, not you, the other you. What are you rejoicing about? What are you shouting about? What are you singing about? What, what, what is it uh, I'm shouting about? For some, for some of us, for some of us, I, I, I'm just happy glad I got a new car. I'm, I'm happy. I got a new car. I got clothes. I got a house. I got a job. I got a, I got a spouse. I, 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 Non-believers have that. Unbelievers have that. They have spouses. They have cars. They have jobs. They have clothes. What are you shouting about? You shouting about what they shout about? Is that what you're shouting about? Uh, the answer is right here. As I say, my seminary professor would always say, what does the text say? What does this text say? Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. See, your king comes to you. Uh, Okay, I see him. He's riding on a donkey. That's, that's, that's unimpressive. I'm not, I'm not, I'll go with you, but I'm really not feeling it. Attached to this person is righteousness and victory. Righteousness and victory. Uh, righteous. See, this is a, an attribute that was ascribed to Messiah. I'm not talking about the Messiah, the Christ. I'm talking about Messiah. There was a lot of Messiahs. Everybody wanted to be a Messiah. Everybody wants to be, uh, everybody wants to rule the world as a song intones. Everybody, there were a lot of Messiahs. But they were more about, I'm going to be just. I'm going to act in a just way. I'm going to do things in a righteous way. See, that's an attribute of Messiah. Someone, but in this case, the implication is someone that doesn't do, that just doesn't do righteous acts, but is righteous in his essence. It's one thing as a, as a husband. Uh, it's one thing to, to act nice to my wife. That's a good thing. 
But it's an altogether different thing that in my heart, in my, the depths of my soul, even the, the things that would otherwise be misconstrued, my motives are for your good, not for your bad. So in this case, the Messiah that they were seeing and looking for was, in this case, was someone that not only was righteous in his acts, but was righteous, that is righteous in his essence. So what's the significance? Again, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we, we, we could constantly, see this is what the evil one does. It's constantly reminding you of what you used to do, what you did last week, what you may have done this morning. You know you ain't all that. You just, you're just, you're just, you're just, the, the salvation isn't just sweeping away your sin. I know, hold on, hold on, what can wash away my sin? It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not just, okay, well, I, I caught you red-handed committing a crime. All right, walk away. Well, I'm prone to do it again. I got away with it that time, I'll do it again. Uh, that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's just me. But when righteousness steps in from someone who's righteous in his, in his essence, he could say, you know what, as a matter of fact, uh, excuse me, uh, you, I'll deal with you later. I'll take the charge. I'm not ignoring, I'm not sweeping away the charge. I'm not sweeping away the, 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 the debt that has to be paid. The debt has to be paid. I'm going to pay it. I'm going to be the responsible person. I'm going to take that on. Uh, I'm going to move it to my side of the balance sheet, if you will. Sin is not just swept away like a magic eraser, but it's taken on. It's assumed by Christ, and only someone who's righteous in his essence can do that. Only if, if I, I have the capacity to be righteous in my essence. Jesus, the king, our king, rules righteously because he is righteous, and he is victorious. So how will we know him? How do we experience that? Well, it, it only makes sense that we identify him as he's the one that in absolute humility is riding on a baby donkey. And because he is who he is, he is able to do incredible things. Uh, and this is what he says in verse 10 through the prophet. I've had it with war. No more chariots in Ephraim. No more war horses in Jerusalem. No more swords and spears and bows and arrows. He will offer peace to the nations, a peaceful rule worldwide for the four winds of the seven seas. Well, I don't live in Ephraim. I don't live in Jerusalem. What's that got to do with me? It's got everything to do with you. He's offering peace writ large to you in your home. See, peace is not just the absence of physical violence. A lot of times we think, well, I, I got peace. You know, you can have two people not talking to each other and having all hell break loose. You don't have to say, man, I know that, I've seen that. And in, in, in times past, I've done that. Sitting right next to somebody, ain't no peace. So, 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 so it's like, well, it's, it, and, and so what God is saying, it's like, you won't have to have implements of war. And not only that, I'm going to make those around you at peace. I don't know about you. <coughs> One thing I, I, I do love, I do love, is peace. That absolute alone time with God where I, I don't have to worry about the phone, I don't have to worry about responsibility, all I have to do is be with God and study his word, meditate on him, and be in his presence. 
Uh, he will offer peace to the nations, a peaceful rule worldwide. From the four winds to the seven seas, to, to the whole area, to the whole promise that, I, that I've asked you. And because of my blood covenant with you, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home. Come home. Come home, hope-filled prisoners. This very day, I am declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost, return twice over. Judah is now my weapon. The bow I'll pull, setting Ephraim as an arrow to the string. I'll wake your sons, O Zion, to counter your sons, O Greece. From now on, people are my swords. I'm closing. See, the reason we rejoice and shout is because we see that our righteousness and our victory is in him, not us. And unless and until we understand that you cannot be good enough, I cannot be good enough, I cannot be righteous enough, I can't, I, like I said, I'm good for 30 seconds. And really, that's even, that's even a lie. Because during those 30 seconds, I'll probably say the wrong thing in my mind, think the wrong thing in my mind, uh, and then that just obliterates all of that. But if I'm just focused on, well, I didn't kick the cat, but I wanted to kick the cat, but I didn't kick the cat, so I'm good, right? No, I'm sure the cat appreciates it. But no, because you wanted to do it in your heart, you've already committed that sin. And so when we start to see ourselves through that lens, if, if we just continue to see ourselves through the lens of, well, let me just put another good, good piece of be, good behavior on the, on the one side of the scale and it kind of outweigh the, the bad stuff, there ain't enough chips in the world to outweigh the stuff in my life alone. So God help you. So it's not about, well, let, well, well, let me help someone across the street. Well, let me, uh, let me volunteer uh, at the school. Well, let me uh, give to uh, a 501c3. All of those things are wonderful. We need to be doing those things. But when it comes to righteousness, that doesn't move the needle once. Not once. Again, unbelievers do the same thing. What makes us shout? What makes us rejoice? See, that's the reason to shout. Be, because, because it's a song in tones. He knew that Mark was singing, sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. See, but the master of the seas heard Mark's despairing cry, and from the water he lifted Mark. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. See, that's the reason to shout. No shouting just for shouting's sake. Uh, to sing ourselves happy or to put on smiling emojis, you know, when we're breaking inside. You know, they, they, Apple's got that commercial now. I still haven't figured that one out. Uh, just, they're going around putting emojis on everyone else. And that's where we are. We're an emoji culture. You know, you put a little heart here, a little, little happy face here, and that's supposed to convey my, my it's, it's, it's like, you know it's a fraud. You know, personally, you know it's a fraud. So you put a, you put a little heart on it, it's like, you know, whatever. You know, let me, let me like it. Let me just, it just, because it's, it's, it's more expedient for you to do that than to really dive deep. So let me just put an emoji on it. So, so we don't, we could be breaking inside. And if we're not careful, we'll do these Band-Aid things to try and keep ourselves from really falling apart. No, 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 no. We need to see and we need to understand the reason for rejoicing and for shouting is to see our king, the righteous and victorious son, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, riding on a baby donkey. 
and when we see him, embrace him, understand why he came, uh, as, as Pastor Campbell, I can hear him now, would say, Mark, love God with your mind. Love God with your mind. Not with your emotion. Love God with your mind. Emotion's fine. Love God with your mind. Because there are some times when emotions won't kick in. Then what are you going to do? Will you shout? Will you rejoice? I don't feel like loving God today. It's not about you feeling anything. You love God because you understand who he is and what he has done. Let's pray.